Just leave that. I'll use it. I want to read as we begin from the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 4, verse 43. After the two days, he left for Galilee. And now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Calpurnium. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. And the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, and the fever left him. And the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And so he and his whole family believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Father, this morning we pray for your spirit in this place to move among us powerfully. Father, we pray that we would see the face of Jesus and we pray that our lives would be changed. Father, give us faith. Faith to walk and follow you closely every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Our Lord, our Savior, amen. Back several years ago, there was a shift in the fitness world. Um, If if you remember back to the glory days of baseball, um, guys like Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, and the, the theory was just get as big as you possibly can and put on muscle and strength and size. And this was kind of how I played um, back when I was in college. That was kind of the, you know, in the weight room, that's what you would do. You just take supplements and you try to get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And there was this shift that happened around 2000, give or take four or five years, where it moved from just this idea of strength to more functional fitness. Trying to do things that are going to help you perform just your everyday in your everyday life. And if you're an athlete in those specific disciplines to get stronger in ways that are going to really help you and translate into the sport that you play. And so it moved from like beach muscle fitness, trying to look big and strong to just this idea of functional fitness. What's going to help you in your everyday? And this functional fitness um, was more about strengthening your core and working on balance and stability and flexibility. It was about sports-specific movements. 
All these things that were designed to help you be better just every day. And so for me, it started out like playing with my kids. I wanted to be able to keep up with them. There's four of them. And so you're running constantly. You're, you're picking them up and throwing them in the air. You're, you're doing all these things. And so I wanted what I was doing fitness-wise to translate into my everyday life. So it wasn't just working out to work out. It was working out for a specific purpose so that my everyday life was better because of what I was doing. I think faith is, is very similar. And, and the question I want to ask this morning is what does it look like to trust Jesus today? What, what does it look like to have a functional faith? Not, not just functional fitness, but what does it look like to have functional faith, a faith that works every single day? See, here's the deal. In this room, most of you have trusted Jesus with your tomorrow. But I think the more important question is what does it look like to trust him with today? How does your faith help you make it through the day? How does your faith make your life better? How does your faith translate into the here and now? And as John is writing the story we we looked at last week, this picture that's unfolding in the beginning in Genesis God speaks into the darkness and creates the light. He speaks his word and this world is formed. And he breathes life into a man and this man becomes a living being. And John in his gospel begins in much of the same way. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. And then skipping down towards the end of that little section, he says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. But that entrance of the Word really happens later is the, the narrative and the, the setting of the book of John shifts. And it moves to the garden. And if you missed last week, I highly recommend going back and and picking up that lesson because I think it will help with the rest of the series. But in John, in his beginning, the Word speaks the Word in this new world is created. And it's in the midst of the garden that God breathes life into a man and a man comes back to life. And as he breathes life into this man, he's not just fixing a broken world. He's creating a new world. There is this new creation that's happening right in the midst of the old one. And so he said, you need to pay attention really closely to the road signs along the path. Because there are things, times, traditions, people that are all so important in these stories that are pointing us to a new world that's being created in the midst of this old world. And the story we're going to look at this morning is Jesus heals this official son is one of three consecutive stories where Jesus talks to a man named Nicodemus who is a Jewish rabbi or teacher, a man of the law, followed by a Samaritan woman at a well. 
and then this official. And the message through these three consecutive stories is not that this is good news for the Jews, but this is good news for the whole world. This creation that's being created in the midst of the old is good news for the whole world. It is a new creation spoken into existence by the Word of God. But you can have all of this understanding, and you can have the theology. You you can have these pictures of what's happening, but the question is, how does that translate into today? How does that get you through the difficult times? The job loss, the uncertainty, the up and down um, economy, politically, when your kids are struggling, when your marriage is struggling. How does your faith simply help you make it through today and get to tomorrow? This is good news for the world. When I was, we first had Gracie, we decided we were going to have some pictures taken. This is one of Ryan, and Ryan at 8 pounds and me at 260 pounds. Um, And we decided when our kids were born, we were going to have pictures of them taken at 8 days, 3 months, 6 months, 9 months, 1 year, 2 years, 3 years, 4 years. And so, Gracie, if you go into our our hall in our home, you have this picture of eight-day-old Gracie, three-month-old Gracie, six-month, nine-month, one-year, two-year. And then we have Ryan. And we have picture eight days old. We kind of missed the three-month, but we made the six-month. We missed the nine-month, and we made the year, and then we had the two-year. Then there's Caleb. We got eight days, and we got one year, and we got two years. And then poor little Kaylee. We got eight days, and surely somewhere in our life there's another picture of her. (laughs) She's gorgeous. She's hiding her head because I'm talking about her. She's got this down. Um, But we we had these plans of these these pictures. And we can take pictures all we want, and and we can put these pictures up. But I found there's one thing that separates a good photographer from a great photographer. And it's really what you pay them for. It's their ability to frame the shot. It's the ability to capture within the frame. And I don't just simply mean the wooden frame. I mean the frame is the scope of the picture, the composition. Because the the composition of the photograph is made up of a lot of different elements. The elements in this are people. The lighting. The perspective. All of that has to do with creating a compelling composition. And it's all about the framing. And the the object or the goal of framing the photograph is to draw the viewer's eye to the subject 
of the photograph. The subject of the photograph here is Ryan. And so as the photographer frames the shot, the hope is to bring the viewer's eye right front and center to the subject of the photograph. And so what separates a really good photographer from a great photographer is their ability to frame the shot. And our life happens within frames. It happens within the context of of frames. In this story, there are several frames that pop up. There are several frames that we see. The first frame is the frame of the Galileans. It's the frame of their life and of their knowledge. It says, after the two days, he left for Galilee. And now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen, they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. For they also had been there. They had seen all that he had done, for they also had been there. See, their frame was, we've seen what Jesus can do. And so our belief and our trust in what Jesus can do consists of what we see within this frame. See, there's something really interesting about a frame. Is if you're the one in the frame, it's really difficult to see what's happening outside of the frame. And so their frame, their context is, this is what we've seen Jesus do And I think the reason he's really critical of their faith is because their belief, their following him, comes simply because of what they have seen within the frame of their context. We we believe Jesus can heal someone because we've seen it with our own eyes, so we're going to follow him. But we're not going to really trust that he can do more than that because we haven't seen it. That's outside of our frame that we have fixed. See, the Galileans have this frame. And so Jesus confronts them and he says, you you people just want to see the signs. You want to see. The problem is that's not faith. That's not what faith is. As Paul says in in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Or the Hebrew writer. Faith is confidence in what we seem and hope or assurance. That, That our context that we think of We want to have faith as long as it's within our frame. As long as we've seen God show up in that way, then we'll believe and then we'll we'll trust. And I think Jesus confronts this idea and he says, hey, you're believing, you're following me simply because you're seeing me. You want a sign. Everyone wants a sign. 
one wants to have a sign. Here, here's what a sign does, though. A sign makes a, cyn- a cynic a skeptic. If you're cynical about this whole faith journey, and you see a sign that's outside of your frame, you're going to do your best to explain it away. Well, that just happened because fill in the blank. You want a sign because you want to believe because you've seen. But that's not faith. But this is the frame of the Galileans. Then there's another frame that takes place in the story, another frame that we see. And it's of this royal official. He says, once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official, this is a Roman royal official, whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. See, he had this frame that he saw the world because he had heard what Jesus had been doing. He might have even seen what Jesus had done. And he hears that Jesus is there and he goes to him and he begs him, Sir, you need to come and heal my son. Because he understands that when Jesus was around these people, these people were being healed. He he had seen this. He had heard about this. And this was all within his frame. He knew that Jesus could because he had heard Jesus had. And so this was within his frame. This is how he saw the world. And so Jesus, come and heal my child. Come to him. Because if you're where he is, then you can heal him. If if you can come to him, I believe you're capable of healing him. So, So come to him. Come and heal. Come and help. This is the frame that he has. And there's this urgency. Because this is his child. Right? This is his child. And he wants more than anything for that child to be well. And you get it. Because especially if you're a parent, you know the links you will go to for your child. And so he hears that Jesus is around, and he's heard what Jesus can do, and so he goes to him and he begs, Jesus, I've seen, I've heard. Come down and give life to my son. It's this frame. In this picture, one of the things you cannot see is what's outside the frame. Because right outside the frame is Cammie's hand with a pacifier. Because Ryan was not really happy. 
And he was screaming and crying. And we could put a pacifier in his mouth. The photographer would say, one, two, three. We'd pull it out. They would snap the picture. And it looks like the most peaceful child in the world. And he didn't stop talking then, and he hadn't stopped now. You can't see what's outside of the frame. You can't see what's happening around because this is how it was framed. This is so many times how we see faith, though. We know our frame We know what we have framed and how we see the world and how we see what God can do. But it's all framed by our understanding and our perception and the lighting that we have. It's been framed a certain way. The the problem is our frame is fixed. And when you have a fixed frame... There is no frame of reference. When you have a fixed frame, there is no frame of reference. When you have this fixed frame, you can't see what's happening around you. You can't see what God is doing to the side. But you need a new frame of reference to see better what God is doing doing. See, the the frame of reference is so important because a frame of reference is a set of ideas, conditions, or assumptions that determine how something will be approached, perceived, or understood. Before we had our first child, I wrote my very first parenting book. Anyone else write one? And then we had our first child. And I had all these perceptions and all these ideas about how we would raise this child. And then we had her. And our frame of reference changed. And then we had our second child. And our second child was nothing like our first child. And the things that we were doing for this one child weren't the things that we could do for the second. And then we had our third and our fourth, and every time our frame of reference on what it looked like and what it meant to be a parent changed. For a long time, the church was very harsh towards people who were divorced. And then our frame of reference changed because we met someone who had been through divorce. Or we had a son or daughter or a family member, a loved one, who went through a divorce. And all of a sudden, our frame of reference changed because the way we saw things wasn't adequate to contain what we had seen. Our frame of reference changed. A few weeks back, I was getting ready for a race that I'd been training for for four months. And the the Thursday before... I was at Walmart 
and I was getting some last-minute supplies and some things for our trip. And I was so nervous and anxious about what was going to happen over the next several days, about bad weather, about all these things that were outside of my control. And then all of a sudden at Walmart, I saw, saw this mom pushing her daughter in a basket. And the girl was probably about five or six years old. And she had no hair and a little pink cap on. And all the things that I was really nervous about, all the things that I thought were so important, all of a sudden changed my frame of reference. And I started to see things a little bit different. See, this man comes to Jesus with this frame of how things are supposed to work and what Jesus is supposed to do. The Galileans had the frame that said, this is what we've seen him do. This man has a son who is sick, and he goes to Jesus with this urgent, heartfelt plea Come and save my child because what I've heard is that you can come, you can put your hands on someone and you can save them. That was his frame. But I want you to listen to what Jesus tells him. He says, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word. The man took Jesus at his word. He took Jesus, the word, made flesh at his word because he realized he had the ability to create a new world. Because the present world, my son is sick and dying. But in this new world, and I don't think the royal official has the context of this. I don't think he understands this. He just knows that Jesus is a miracle worker. And what's fascinating about this story is he takes him in his word and listen to, to what he does. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. Are you kidding me? Like, reread that story, and we think, well, he took Jesus' word, and he knew Jesus was going to heal him, and so he left because he knew it would be done. Are you serious? This is your child. This is your flesh and blood. And it's really easy on our side because we're not right here. We're right here. We, we know what's going to happen. We know what the picture's supposed to look like. We get to the, the perspective of seeing what's happening outside of the frame. He does not. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone were to say, just go, he'll be fine. I want a sign. I want to know. Give me some assurance. Just come with me just in case it doesn't work. 
But this story is a story about faith. About this deep, deep faith that God is good to his word and that he will do what he said he would do. And because he hears the word, he departs. And let me tell you, it's so easy when we're on this side of the frame to understand and grasp. It's so much more difficult when you're in the frame. It's so much more difficult when you're in the frame to see. You see, seeing is not the problem. But the hope in seeing is that as we see, it would expand our frame. As we see what God is doing in this world, that it would expand what we believe he can do. See, seeing is not the problem. But it's a question of, does what you have seen God do expand your frame in what you know he will do? I I get that you believe Jesus can heal your child, but can you actually leave that place and trust that he will? I know you believe Jesus can heal your marriage, but do you actually believe that he will if you're willing to go and work on it? I know you believe he can heal you from the addiction, but the question is, will you go and do something to to make it better? Will you do something productively to move you in a new direction? I know you believe Jesus can do these things. The question is, as you have seen him do it, has he expanded your frame in the way that you see the world? See, we have this this crazy thought that as we see God, as we increase our faith, that our risk will decrease. We've seen God do this, and our faith is growing. But we hope at the same time that the things we're having to risk is decreasing. But as God grows our frame, as our frame of reference changes, as we see what God has done, it's not that our risk decreases, It's that we trust him more because he is faithful and we can take more risks for him. Because we don't know what's happening outside of our frame. We have no clue what tomorrow looks like. All we can do is trust. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It's trusting in what we cannot see. But yet we've defined faith totally different in our churches. Man, they're faithful. They're here every week. They sit in a pew. They never miss. They're here every time the door. Man, they're faith. They've been faithful. It's not that that's a bad thing. But the question is, 
has that transformed your trust? Has God expanded your frame through his church so that you see the world differently now than you once did? I get that you believe God will heal you. But do you live like he will? That he can fix your marriage. That he can help your kids. The question is, do you live like you believe it? What is faith for? What is your faith? What is the purpose of it? Because if it's simply to sit in a pew, how does that get you through tomorrow? How does that get you through the difficult times? I think, plain and simply, faith is for hope. Faith increases our hope because we've seen what God is doing and we trust Him more than we did before. There was a story in the news that you've probably seen over the last several weeks about the New England Patriots tight end Aaron Hernandez. He'd been convicted of murder, sentenced to life in prison, and then found himself on trial for two other murders. And he was acquitted. And he went back to prison that night where he would spend the rest of his life And he took his own life. And I think the reason, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm guessing. I think the reason was because he had no hope. He had no hope for tomorrow because tomorrow was going to look just like today in his eyes. See, his frame was fixed. And he couldn't see beyond it. See, see, the problem is sometimes you and I need to stop. And we need to, to step back and look at the frame from the other side. Because if we look at it from the other side, we see how God has been framing this picture for so long. And how so many things that we didn't understand that were happening over here and over here. God is working into the frame of our life. But in the frame of our life, our frame is expanding and it's getting bigger. And the way that we saw what God was doing in our world has changed. Because we understand that we've seen Him do some amazing things. And instead of just simply saying, God, we trust You. That You can do more than we ask or imagine we're actually going to take the next step because we believe you will. Can can you imagine how hard it was for this man to step outside of that frame? Can, Can you have any idea of what it was like to listen to God's word through his son? Say, go, he will live. 
and actually leave. Actually take the step and walk away from the one that you believe could heal. And not just say, hey, I, really, I, I trust you. But come on. Come, come with me just in case this doesn't work. Just, just in case. He departs. How does your faith make a difference in your life today? How does what you believe about what God will do change today as you care for your kids? As we look at a country that's divided politically, if we just get the right person in office, I mean, do you really believe Jesus' words that one day The kingdoms of this world will be the kingdoms of our God and of His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever. Do you believe that? Or do you need some more assurance in what you see in the White House? Do you believe that your kids were given to you and that you're a steward who will one day give them back? And that you're going to faithfully do all you can, trusting that they are in God's hands and not yours. Do you believe that? That you're going to work as hard as you can to steward that responsibility well. Do you believe it? Is it changing you? What about forgiving people? Do you believe that forgiving the person who hurts you is the right thing to do because it's the way Jesus has forgiven you. Do you really believe that? Or do you like to say, well, yeah, I've forgiven them, but I'm still going to hold on to this grudge. I, I can't let go of that. What about loving your enemies? What, what about loving the people who don't think like you and act like you, who have different ideologies than you? Can you still love them and trust that God is in control and that his picture of this world is bigger than your picture of this world? What is your faith for? Does it make a difference today? Or is it just simply hope for tomorrow? See, because I I think it's our hope for tomorrow changes today that we understand that Christ will reign forever and ever, and today we're going to live in faith because we trust in him tomorrow. And and for some of you who doubt, let's just be honest, in a room this size, there's people who have questions, who have doubts, and who struggle with this whole faith journey. What is it that if you saw it, you would believe? What is it that if you saw it, then you would believe? What what sign or wonder are you needing? Because here's my guess. My guess is you've probably already in some form or fashion seen it. 
but you simply dismissed it. Maybe the very thing you were looking for, the very thing you wanted or needed to see, was right in front of you. But your cynicism made you skeptical of what you saw. See, it really comes down to just simply a choice of are you going to believe or not? Are, are you going to take Jesus at his word? The royal official doesn't know who Jesus is other than a miracle worker. And yet he takes him at his word, and because of what happens, his whole family believes in Jesus as Messiah. Are you willing to take the word at his word? Because he is creating this new world. As we look at our vision for 2030, we've said we want to be people who are engaging our community and our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that starts with you and I going next door. It, it starts with the faith to walk out our front door and go next door. That, that's where it begins. And sometimes I think I'm more concerned about what I have going on than what God has going on. What, what's on God's agenda rather than what's on my agenda. But wherever you are this morning, I want to encourage you to take a step somewhere. To take a step to move. In fact, just stand up right now where you are. Right now where you are, stand up. And take a step, whether it's forward or side, just move somewhere. Your, your faith is calling you to take a step that you trust, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you're going to place your life in His hands, take a step. Or maybe if you're a believer, just simply to take a step and go next door, to take a step and go across the aisle, to take a step and do something because you believe that God has changed your world and that He is changing this world. Take a step today. Take a step. Take a step. Take a step. Father, today... We pray that you would give us the courage to trust you more, to take a step wherever you are calling us, and to trust that you are in control. Father, change our frame, reframe the world for us so that we see the world through your eyes. Father, help us to see anew today this new world that's being created in the midst of this old world that's passing away. And Father, help us to love and to pour our lives into your world and not the world that will not be here tomorrow. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you need to take a step this morning to follow Jesus, do that right now. We want to encourage you to come, give your life to him, be buried with him, and be raised into a new life. If we could simply pray for you, take a step. We're going to have shepherds and ministry staff around the auditorium in the back. We would love to just simply put our arm around you and pray for you. Whatever you need, take a step somewhere this morning. Don't leave in the same place you came.